0: Hey guys, you're listening to the Turning Point Podcast, where we talk about life lessons and how turning points can shape our journey. Today I'm speaking with J.J. Buckner. He describes himself as a husband, a father, a project engineer, and an all-around average guy who decided to document his journey to becoming financially independent. He created a YouTube channel that now has over 8,000 subscribers where he shares his tips and tricks to becoming financially independent. I'm excited to chat with him about his journey and maybe even apply some of those tricks to my life. You can learn more about him and his great videos on YouTube by searching for JJ Buckner. This is episode five, Becoming Financially Independent. Hi, JJ, and thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: No problem. I appreciate having me on the podcast.
0: So I wanted to kick it off by just talking about your YouTube channel and what motivated you to start documenting your journey um, and like financial decisions that you've made or anything else that, that I think your channel is mostly financial, right? Correct. So what kind of motivated you to to share your tips and tricks with people?
1: Yeah, so my channel is really focused on a, a few things. It's It's personal finance. I talk about investing, and I also am documenting mine and my wife's journey to become financially free. And at the beginning when I first started my YouTube channel, it was actually almost a year ago exactly. I started my channel on April 15th, I believe it was. The first reason for starting my channel was I'm very, very passionate when it comes to personal finance, when it comes to investing, how I need to manage my money, you know, and again, becoming financially independent. And my wife actually, her and I talk a lot about it, but she was finally at the point where she's like, dude, I've had enough. You're (laughs) talking my ear off. And I was like, well, you know, and I watched YouTube uh, you know, before I decided to make a channel. And I was like, well, the next best thing I could do is to share my thoughts and to share what I know to an audience or to people out there. And so that was kind of the, the real first reason for me to start the YouTube channel. But then, also with that, with being a passionate person about something, is I want to help as many people as I can. So, starting that YouTube channel was one, not only to just kind of showcase what I know and what I want to talk about, but two, I wanted to help either one, motivate people to help get themselves started in investing, you know, because that, that can be a very, very scary topic for some yep. people to get into. Because there's this, there's so much that gets thrown at you, you know, for how you should invest, what you should invest in. There's so many things out there. So I really wanted to not I hate to use this word, but dumb it down, so everyone can understand and can get started. And it's it's been amazing the experience I've witnessed over the past year of doing this YouTube channel. I've gotten so many comments, so many messages through Instagram, email, saying. You know, your video helped me get the courage to start investing and I opened up my first Roth IRA or I made my first stock purchase because of your videos. Like hearing stuff like that is absolutely incredible and that, not even including the money or anything with that, like that right there is the most important or I guess meaningful thing to me with starting this YouTube channel.
0: How many subscribers do you have now?
1: Uh... I'm I'm over seven thousand. I don't know exactly. Nice in a year. That yeah, that's
0: amazing. That's that's yeah. nice. Well, do you know what the thing is for me? I feel like a lot of people. I'm like I'm thirty two, but when I was like in my young twenties, I would do like the st- the stupidest thing with my money. The stupidest right. thing. It was like, let's all go on a trip, and I had no money. But I was like, you know what? Let's go on the trip. And then I came back, and I'm like, why did I do that? Now I have no money for the rest of the week. Um, and a lot of people in their twenties, they're like, well, I'll spend this money and I'll make more money. But I'm like, if you don't know how to manage it now, why do you think you're going to know how to manage it in five years when you turn 30? So, you know, it's like... And
1: that's, that's the scary part about it, too, is, you know, in our 20s, so I'm, I'm, I just turned 28. And when you're coming out of high school or when you're coming out of college, nobody is taught how to manage your money. No one teaches you this stuff. And usually the people that do teach you are your parents. But no one taught them really how to manage their money. And that's what I've seen from talking to many people that I've talked to in the past year and just from my own experiences, you know, growing up and then also seeing my friends and decisions they're making now is the bad part about it is we don't get taught anything in school anymore. You know, there's no personal finance classes or no one talks to you about how to get started in investing or how to generate passive income online because that's an incredible thing right now going on us 20 or 20 and 30 year olds millennials to be able to have this opportunity to use the internet and to generate income online. Absolutely blows my mind.
0: Yeah. And, and that's something that I've been meaning to, to do. And again, and I started the podcast, not because I was thinking about money, it's because all of these conversations that I have, I usually do like interviews and then I do other episodes that are called like side chats, which is just me talking about one topic. And then i engage with listeners. Um, but I didn't do it because I was like, oh, I want to start making money. I did it because I, I love talking about this stuff. And a lot of my friends like talking about it, but they were like, I'm like done. Like we can't, you know, it's not their thing. So it's right. really hard to kind of find someone that um, shares those same, I guess, values, right? Or, mm-hmm. or, or things that you were like thinking about. But um, interesting in- enough, I started watching um, in Netflix, there's a documentary called Minimalism. And they did. St- so I got into into minimalism like quick and I didn't even realize that I kind of was already a minimalist without not even knowing it. Because I'm like, I'm not the type of person that will buy like crap just for buying it. Usually if I want something, I'm like, do I need it? Oh, I have the money. OK, great. If not, I think about it a lot of times and I see people that are like, well, I want this car and I and I deserve it because I work hard. So they go and buy it and then they get in debt. And I'm like, right. and I've never been that way.
1: And I think that's a lot of people that I talk to because I've always been a minimal person, you know, even as a little kid, like if I had something on my dresser that I didn't touch for a month, I was like, okay, I need to get rid of this thing because it's driving me nuts. And, you know, I, I don't like keeping stuff that I don't use. I don't like buying stuff that doesn't bring me value. And I actually came across, uh, you know, the same documentary that you're talking Mm -hmm. about. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm kind of a minimalist, and I didn't even know it. Yep. You know, I didn't know there was a name for it. And I, 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 definitely feel like there's different levels, though, you know, of minimalism. And people have asked me before, like, well, you know, are you a minimalist? Do you, do you really think you're, you know, a minimalist? And I guess I am. Yeah, kind of, sort of. But there's definitely, I would say, levels of minimalism, and there's different ways I people agree. do it. It's all about the what brings to me, at least. It's all about what brings you value in life. Use your money for what brings you value. So for me, my wife and I really love traveling. You know, We love spending our money on experiences mm-hmm. instead of materialistic items because that's not really what brings us value to our lives. So we choose to maybe not buy the biggest, nicest house on the street or I don't go buy the BMW because I really don't need it. Now, if I had the money, would I do it? If I could afford it? Yeah, I probably would. But... As where I'm at right now, it's more of a spending my money on what I see value in rather than what I think I need.
0: Yeah. And and with minimalism, it's funny because a lot of people are like, really, you're into it, but you have a table. And I'm like, well, some minimalists have tables. Like, that's not about not having a dining table. Some of them don't. And I'm like, I don't even get how you can not have a table. Some <laughs> of them live like really like nothing and they make like their own shoes. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time to make my own shoes. I'm, that's not my thing. Um... But I do live like one in the sense of like, I really think about what I'm going to buy and bring into the home. And we think about the type of furniture that we bring into the house. Like, do we need that table? Do we need this frame? If we want to decorate a wall, do we want to get something nice that we're going to keep, you know, for the next couple of years? So that, in a sense, you are a minimalist. But yeah, I do. Need, I do like a table. I do like my desk. I work from home. So I do need a desk. Um
1: Some people talk about how many forks you should have. Exactly. It's pretty, yeah, it can get pretty extreme.
0: Like we have a set of eight and, you know, if more people come, then we'll get like paper plates. But I think eight is pretty, like that's usually the size of a table, right? So, but anything besides that, some people have like four. And I'm like, so if someone else kind of like comes around, then you need, but again, I guess it's all up to you, how you want to live it. But I think the whole point of minimalism is like, just be intentional on what you bring, I guess, into your life. And just don't collect junk. It stresses you out. I hate opening a closet and it's just full of junk. Like sell it, donate it, you know, find, find a new home for it.
1: Exactly. And I think another aspect to minimalism is the life that you want to live. Because if you are constantly spending your money on consumption, you're constantly buying stuff from Amazon, or you're constantly upgrading a car every two years, is that truly what brings you happiness in life? And if it is... You're your own person. You know it's going to bring you happiness. But if that's – from what I've seen and what from what I experience, buying and consuming things really can only make you happy for a little bit of time. And then that newness or that high goes away to where if you're minimal on your expenses, you can choose to live an extraordinary life because you're saving so much money over time. Yep. By not consuming so many materialistic items.
0: And hey, it's like I tell people, like, I currently have a luxury car, but it's like I wanted to buy it because I had never had one. And I was like eyeing this one for a while. And after I got it, I was like, after like the first year, I'm like, I don't even like this car. I'm like, I was paying for it. And I'm like, I used to have a Volkswagen and I was like in love with my car. I was always cleaning it. And it was just like my little (laughs) baby. Right. And then I got this luxury car. I'm not even liking it. So it's like. I really learned from that experience. Again, I, I, I took it as a learning experience, right? I, I bought one. I, it, it's actually like a lease. So I knew that I wasn't like just, you know, I, I stuck with it. And right. um, so I got to experience it. And then here you go. I'll, I'll give it back. And then uh, now I'm going to buy because it's February uh, next year. I get to buy one that I really want to keep. And I'll try if I can to buy cash and just not get into debt because cars are horrible. Like they lose so much value immediately as you buy it so it's like not even worth it and then i had a car that was like pretty new and then i got in an accident not my fault like they hit me and then i spun around and then got hit again it was destroyed and it was like one year old oh wow. so it's like it's nuts right you spend all this it money is. on the car um yep. so talking about kind of going away from minimalism for 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 a bit um what do you, you mentioned uh, passive income, which is interesting because I wanted to talk a little about that. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you recommend uh, to the listeners, right, that are listening to this episode and want to have passive income? Um, I know you have a episode that you talk about it, um, but I guess if we could share just a few minutes of what you would recommend for them to do if they're interested, what would that be?
1: So, first, the, well, first, funny thing is, I actually have another more updated passive income video coming out tonight. It's actually uploading it after our our podcast. So after interview. So the funny thing with passive income though, is that word gets tossed around a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I think a lot of people think that, Oh, passive income, it's free money that I'm getting online for very minimal work that I do, which could not be farther from the truth. Passive income is really you have to put a lot of work and a lot of effort up front to be able to enjoy or, you know, be able to earn that passive income later on down the road. So, uh, I guess for starting or for how people could generate passive income, the biggest thing I could recommend, honestly, is just start because yeah. so many people will want to start a YouTube channel or they want to start a podcast, or they want to start investing in real estate, whatever that may be, but they get what's called analysis paralysis. You know, mm-hmm. They keep coming up with mistakes. Oh, well, I don't have the best camera, so let me wait until I get the good camera to start you know, filming my videos, or I don't know exactly how to analyze a property 100%, so maybe I shouldn't buy the property yet, even though they've been analyzing properties for who knows how long. So I think the biggest thing when it comes to generating passive income is just start. And I'd also say is to start doing something that you really enjoy, because what's the point in working so hard on doing something that you don't like? So find what your true passion is. And I get this question sometimes, uh, a lot of younger people, and I actually experienced this myself, is people would say, well, how do I find what I'm passionate about? And that is a very, very hard thing to do, especially at such a young age, but what I like to say to people is, what do you find yourself watching? What do you find yourself thinking about? What do you see your life being like in 20, 30 years? What are you doing? Or what could you do? Or I'm sorry, what would you do if you had the opportunity to not work? Like, what would you choose to do? Well, then that's starting with a passion. That's something that you can get started with. And then figure out a way to really, I guess, monetize that. Or, you know, if, if you don't have a passion that you can really. Start a YouTube channel with go invest in real estate and real estate's another or investing in dividend stocks. And this is all stuff I talk about on my YouTube channel because these are all the different ways I'm trying to generate passive income. So I really think the most I kind of rambled on there for a little no, bit. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> but I think the most important thing with generating passive income is really to just start something.
0: Yeah, no, and I and a lot of people I, I think get confused with passion because they think that you can only be passionate about one thing. And you can be Mm -hmm. passionate about one thing right now and then in five years, you're no longer passionate about that one thing and you kind of switch to something else. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you wanna start a YouTube channel and like you are passionate about something right now, then do that. And if five years or in two years or in a year, you're no longer passionate about that, you can always rebrand your channel to something else or have a separate channel and kind of link people to that. So we get a lot, we get confused. And when I was younger, I I would do the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm passionate about this. And now I got tired about it. And now I feel guilty because I'm no longer passionate about that. But it happens because we change as we get older. So it's not going to, you know, it's it's, it's not a big deal, basically. We talked a little bit about people in their 20s and, and kind of making, um, I don't know, we talked. I think we talked about it even before we started recording. So let me kind of <laughs> rewind there a little bit for for the listeners. Um, we were talking about when you're young, maybe you don't make the best decisions with your money, and then you think, "Well, in a couple of years, I will." But if you're not learning now, why would that make a difference when you're 25 to when you're 30? Based on all the, because you have a ton of videos by now, you've been doing it for a while, so and and you've been learning about uh, a lot about um, being financially responsible and and organized and kind of budgeting what do you recommend to those 20 year olds that are like just out of college have no idea what they're doing it's their first job they're probably making you know 30,000 40,000 and they just want to be a little bit more responsible with their money
1: well first I want to tell them that I was in your guys's shoes <laughs> not too long ago you know I I didn't know how to buy a stock you know I was always I guess decent with my money I was always a pretty frugal kid growing up but I I had no idea how to make a budget. I had no idea how to invest in the stock market. So don't feel like you need to know everything right now. But as far as tips go, I really have probably two tips for the younger 20 year old. Or honestly, this really applies to anyone I feel like. Even if you're in your 30s and you're listening or you're in your 40s and you're listening. I think this could apply to everyone. But for the kids coming out of college, I really would say the first thing you need to focus on is paying off that bad or high interest debt. So first, you know, if you have credit card, you know, loans or uh, that you have to owe or that you're paying on, that's high interest debt. Focus on getting that paid off first. Once you can, you know, really focus in on getting your debt paid off, and then also staying out of bad debt. Now a lot, a lot of people will say all debt's bad debt, which that's a whole another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I think really just staying out of borrowing money for something. Yep. Unless it's a more of an investment or something like that. That's again getting ahead of myself. But the next thing I would say for tips is to start investing now. Just start with if it's five bucks, ten dollars, if it's if you can afford a hundred dollars a month, I actually have a quick example that I always try to tell people. I have some younger friends, and they're, you know, they know I'm doing the YouTube thing, and they always ask me, "Well, what do I need to do, or how do I get started?" And really, I'd say the best thing you could do as a young investor is open up a Roth IRA account. I use Vanguard to open up my Roth IRA, and if you just invest $100 every single month starting at 20, what, 20 years old, let's assume you get a the average return rate in the stock market is six to eight percent. So let's go on the high end, let's say 8% is your return, and you do that for 45 years. So if you start at 20 and you go for 45 years, you're now 65 years old. Now, if you do that, just that $100 every single month, and let's assume you're never getting another raise in your life, you yep. never up that $100, but likely will probably not happen. You're probably gonna get a raise as you get older, but just for this example's sake. So you're investing that $100 every single month for 45 years, and you get no raises, no changes whatsoever, at 65 years old, so it's 45 years later, you will have just over a half a million dollars sitting in that Roth IRA account because of compound interest. When I first learned that, I was like, what the heck? I wish I would have started investing when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. So I think that is the biggest thing is when it get, to get started in investing. And again, you know, people can get so wrapped around, there's just so much involved in investing. I would say to go look up either index funds or ETFs and invest in those. Because I would say investing in individual stocks comes a little later when you know a little bit more about how to analyze a company or whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. But that's probably my two biggest tips is, is try to get out of debt and stay out of bad debt. And then just start investing and start small. Because you're gonna make mistakes. I made mistakes when I first started investing. So the best time to start is while you're young, You can afford to make a little bit of mistakes because you're you're going to recoup that in the long run. Exactly.
0: And um, so this is I have I have Robinhood, which I think Mm -hmm. you also use Robinhood. Yes. Um, I I don't know that much about stocks, but I've been I've been trying to invest just just to learn. Um, And they have like different tags, and I think they have a tag that shows you like stocks that are like under twenty five dollars, and you can learn about those companies and also the some stocks I, I don't know why some have it and some don't they have like the analyst percentage so it shows you like if uh, a group of analysts say hey 40% say to buy or to sell or to like hold um, so that's what I've been using I've been trying to like invest a little bit more in that because you know you have your phone k and like whatever it is but like I've been trying to use money that I've been trying to save to learn how to invest As Well, but that's a little bit more dangerous. And I I know that I'm kind of playing a dangerous game right now because I don't know that much, but I'm not investing that much that, you know, if I lose it, it's not going to be like, you know, I can't pay my mortgage kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Um, But that's how you learn. And and I think for you, you're not even in the financial industry, right? You're, You're what's your industry? What are you what do you do for a living?
1: I'm a project engineer.
0: Oh, okay, cool. I'm so, a,
1: for a construction company.
0: Okay, so yeah, yeah, you don't deal with financials at all during the day. Not at all. Nope. So you learn all of this by uh, reading books or reading blogs and um, and following people who are known in the financial industry, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I remember when I first started trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my money because I came out of college, I was sixty thousand dollars in debt. Uh, my wife and I just recently got married right after I graduated college. And the first, there was two things I really started doing. I went to the library, or I'm sorry, I went to uh, Barnes and Noble, the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And they have a business book section. And I remember just, I I would, my wife was a nurse at the time, well she still is a nurse, but she was working nights at the time. So it was some nights during the week that I had to myself, I was, you know, didn't want to just sit at home. I would literally drive to the bookstore and I would just sit in there, drink a coffee or some water and I would just start reading books on investing or start reading books on business. And then while I was doing that the same time, I found a guy called Dave Ramsey. And then he's really the one that kind of led me down the rabbit hole to start learning more about my finances. He kind of built the foundation. Now, I don't agree with everything Dave Ramsey says anymore, because I've kind of built my own opinion. Now that I've been more knowledgeable in the area. But that was really like my set foundation. And then like you said, I started reading blogs, I started listening to podcasts, I was just reading more at the time when I had time, I don't really read that much anymore, just because of everything I have going on and raising a family and all that. Now
0: you're a dad, now you don't have time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. You see, between working, being a dad, and building a YouTube channel, oh boy, it's a lot.
0: (laughs) So besides Dave Ramsey, do you listen to anyone else that you consider that kind of gave you that foundation to start off?
1: Yeah, so I listened to, or actually stumbled upon a blog Uh, that really kind of introduced me into the whole financial independence world. And that is Mr. Money Mustache. And he actually has a YouTube channel now, but I first found his blog. And it's just called Mr. Money Mustache. And he really kind of broke down the whole retiring early aspect. And when I read his blogs, I was like, I never even thought about retiring early from my job. And, you know, not having to work the nine to five if you don't want to the rest of your life. So that really changed my, my life and my mindset of really how I wanted to, one, not only invest, but then to how I wanted to live my life now so I could enjoy my life later while I'm still young, while my kids are still young, and maybe not have to go to that job every single day if I don't want to.
0: Exactly. That's the thing that a lot of people say. They're like, well, work now, and then you'll save a lot of money, and when you retire, you can do things. And I'm like, you're not going to have the same energy at 70 that you have now so yes save and prepare for retirement but also save now so that you can take those uh, vacations and go visit those places that you want to visit and whatever it is in your bucket list that you can do it now that you have a little bit more energy um i come from a family that's like like my dad's a doctor and like my mom has the same mentality where you have to like save 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 and then retire later and then i see my dad now where he didn't really travel that much when he was young and now he wants to travel, but he's, you can see that he gets tired mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't want to be in that same situation. Right. So I have places that I want to go and visit and things that I want to do and, and I'm going to start doing them now, but at the same time, prepare for the future. And I think that's the smartest thing right now that people can do. And, yeah. and even if you don't make a ton of money, because a lot of people were, are like, well, if I make $40,000, how am I supposed to live like that? And I'm like, you don't have to be frugal. You just have to be smart. What yep. are you spending that money in? Like, I have a ton of friends. Um, I'm in the New Jersey, New York area. And there's many gyms that you can go that are super cheap. But no, they have to go to like Equinox. Like, right. You know how much money you're spending on that gym alone? Like, why? You just need to work out.
1: Yep, it's crazy. I mean, and and uh, so I'm actually from like Missouri area. And I know New Jersey and New York. Living area is very expensive, but I actually made a video talking about you know the three areas that majority of Americans spend I think it was over like 60 or 70 percent of their money in and that's your living expenses, your transportation, and your food. If you can cut costs in those three areas, whatever that may be, you know, maybe you have to not eat out or not order takeout as much and meal prep, or maybe that's for you know, instead of buying a brand new car every two to five years. You drive a beater car that you don't need to drive to impress people. It costs you maybe four grand, five grand to buy, and or cheaper. I've bought cheaper cars than that, (laughs) and uh, you know, and you just fix them whenever they stuff breaks on them. Because I think people also kind of have a mindset too: is you have to buy the new car so you don't have to do the maintenance, but you're spending sometimes tens of thousands of dollars more to buy the new car. To where if the car that you would have bought used, something would have broke down. It's a lot cheaper to just fix that item than it would be to go spend another ten grand to go get a new car or whatever that may be. But another thing is just you know living expenses. And again, I can only say from where I'm coming yeah. from because <laughs> I know it's totally different where <laughs> you're at. But I, I have a lot of friends that are building homes right now. So they're buying land and they're building homes and they're building these beautiful, beautiful homes. And it's on, you know, half acre land or sometimes some more than that. But I know they're spending so much money and their mortgage every single month is just astronomical compared to what they're making every single month to where my wife and I, which my wife and I really did want us to, she really did want to build a house. But I told her, I said, babe, if we make these decisions now, while we're young, you know, our mortgage that we pay is less than 10% of our income. And it was because we made the decision to not build a big house to buy something maybe that is not as nice as people say it is, but it works for us. So we're making these big financial decisions that is, you know, not only benefiting us now for saving more money every single month, but we're able to apply our money to investments and to put money towards things that's going to generate us income to where we may not have to work when we're 40 years old. We may be able to retire, which I'm always still going to have a project or something going on, but I think it would just be nice to have that freedom to, If my kid's sick, I don't have to ask permission to go into work or to stay home to help my sick kid. Like, I can make the decision to stay home if I want to because I don't have to answer to somebody else, which I think is huge, huge to be able to do that.
0: That freedom, it it is important. And I think for us, um, we just, we bought a townhouse, but initially we were looking at houses. We're we're probably like 10 miles away from the city because my office is in New York, but I work from home a lot. And we were looking at houses and we were looking at huge houses and I was like, what are we gonna do with all this room? So then I saw that we're building townhomes and I was like, I really don't want a townhome. Like, they're usually like a pain with the HOA and whatnot. But this one was huge. It's like, it had everything that we needed. It had like the rooms that we wanted. It had like, it has like, two and a half bathrooms it's like three floors so i can't retire in this home because i'll die going up the stairs so, <laughs> so i'll have to get one of those chairs that you put in and it's just like and eh, you go all the way upstairs like it wouldn't work but for <laughs> now it works because we're young yeah. right and and it's near where we need it to be is in an up-and-coming area so it's just going to gain value and then eventually when we decide to sell maybe in like five or maybe 10 years we can then decide what to do if we get a bigger house or whatnot but it works for now
1: and, yep, for, and for and for
0: now, not like two years for now, for like a while, even if we have kids, the house is huge. So you can definitely kind of, you know, uh, work with it. And, and there's like parks all over the place. So you can still have that that area for the kids to play. So it's a good decision. But people are like, well, I want a big house now. And I'm like, do you need it? You know how much money you're going to spend on, you know, cutting the grass and, and maintaining that house. Do you have the mm-hmm. budget for that now or do you need it? If not, try to make smarter decisions Um, with the space. And again, a lot of people buy and they have like two living rooms and five bedrooms and one bedroom house just like a treadmill that's collecting dust because you're not even using it. So, right? It's crazy. You you have to be smart. So I know that you talk a lot about, as we've been talking about, financial independence and whatnot. But do you also believe that um, self-help books or self-improvement is important, uh, completely separate from financial... um, I guess, research that you've done. Um, as as humans, we tend to think that self-help and self-improvement is like a negative thing. You tell people, oh, I read this book and, and they just know that it's self-improvement. They're like, I don't want to read that crap. Like, right. but, but you, we are not perfect. People have to keep growing and, and learning and kind of be better every day if we can. What do you think of, of self-improvement, and self-help as, as a whole?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's very important because I think when it, What I think about when I think of self-help or self-improvement is I do a lot of listening now since I don't have time to just sit down and read a book. So I'll listen to like motivative podcasts or I'll listen to just like a, even if it's before I'm going to work out, I'll turn on something motivating to, like you said, not even for like a financial aspect, but just to get me in the mindset because I think that's everything in life is, you know, having that mindset to be able to live your best life because it's easy to get depressed in this life it's easy to, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in everyday life that can put you down. And I think having that, I guess, mindset to go back to and to get, you know, right with yourself is very important. So I think self-help and, and self-development, self-improvement is very important. It's something that I, like I said, I don't really read much about anymore. It's more of something I'll throw on in the background or something I'll listen to before a work day. If I'm, you know, struggling on a Monday morning to get in, I'll, put on some coffee I'll listen to something and it's crazy what that can do for you just for even that day to get through the work day or whatever it may be
0: oh it changes your mindset immediately like Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like I can't believe you're like in this self-help and self-improvement but I'm like I was I was kind of like a wild 20 year old like (laughs) yeah I was like all over the place and like it wasn't until like I hit rock bottom and that's why the podcast is actually I don't I don't know if you know this it's called the the turning point podcast because it's turning points in general and not just in life like financially uh anything that you can think of but that's why i called it that and the first episode is talking about my turning points it was like really bad i was like rock bottom and listening to um you know corny stuff like tony robbins and like Mm -hmm. you know all those folks um but they they do help you kind of change your mindset and see like hey you're not in the right path here like if you really want to do something with your life then you need to be different from what you were yesterday or you're not really going anywhere so yeah a lot of people just tell me like i can't believe you into this but i'm like hey but i'm in a good spot like can you say that for yourself and then yep. you know make fun of me for listening to corny stuff <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> but- no that's 100 <laughs> my my guy's gary v gary Vanerchuk. chuck yep i don't know if you've heard of him yeah or not. i have I love his content. I love his action and, and outlook on life. Now, he's way more of a workaholic than I am. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, his mindset on life, and he was one of the driving reasons for me to start my YouTube channel too, is just because I was so passionate about finances and, and helping people and investing. And you know, he mentioned, if, if you can go do something that you're passionate about and end up making a living from it, even if you cut your, or your income in a half or whatever that may be, to be able to live in the time that we're in and to do something like that is truly incredible. So I find myself listening to him all the time, not just for a, you know, uh, like business aspect, but also like you said, a self-help or like a self-improvement mindset change because it really does help. Like you said, it's an instant gratification that you're getting from that, that helps you benefit you not only throughout your day, but also throughout your life.
0: What I, what I do like about him is that he's very, like, raw and, like, unfiltered. Dad. I don't know if you saw, he did a little video on Instagram about the college scandal of, what's her name? and Becky from Full House and the other yeah, one, yeah. those two. So, and he's like, you literally she's told your kids that you don't believe in them. You just told them that they're trash. And I'm like, oh, my God. But, like, but it's real. You literally told them you don't believe in them. If I didn't do this for you, you're not going to get anywhere. And instead of learning what they're good at and kind of leveraging that and helping them get to the next level with whatever they're good at. And one of them, I think, I can't remember whose kid, already has a YouTube channel and is pretty popular and is doing great. So why Mm -hmm. didn't you push that instead of, oh, you need to go to Stanford if she doesn't even want to go to school? It's nuts. I'm not a parent, but I'm like, it's just, I would never tell my kid directly or indirectly, you suck. That's basically what they did
1: it really is crazy and I am a parent and I I thought about I did watch that video. I know it's exactly what you're talking about. And you know that's something that I cannot stress enough is it's going to be so important to us to always have my son's back in whatever he wants to do. If he wants to try something different, he's going to try it. Like I'm not going to be the parent that wants to hold him back and make him do the things that I did growing up as a child or that I wanted me to do as a child, because I think a lot of parents tend to do that sometimes I want to back my child in whatever he wants to do, because I want him to be happy. I want to, I want him to live a happy, fulfilled, fulfilled life. And my parents did that for me, you know, and I am so grateful to be able to have been boring and born into such a great family to have that background and have that, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for just the upbringing yeah. to be able to really follow my passion and whatever I may do because I had some crazy ideas as a kid. <laughs> I've always kind of <laughs> had that entrepreneur spirit and I was selling stuff and doing whatever and you know my mom and dad never never once did they say, you don't need to do that, you're probably not that good or if I wanted to go try a different sport. They'd say, oh, you're not the quickest guy or you're not the biggest guy. You know, you probably shouldn't be going going to do that. No, they, they backed me in whatever I wanted to do. And I'm so grateful for that. And I cannot wait to, you know, transition that on to, to my son as well. Because I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't get that. And, again, to go back to the whole self-help and self-improvement, that's something that people can turn to. Maybe you weren't, you know – Blessed or privileged to have that upbringing, like I did, that is something where that can help to help you change your mindset and help your outlook on life. Because I don't know, it's just it's pretty crazy what that can do for you whenever you have a you know childhood like that where you have backing from your parents. So I really think that that self help and improvement stuff could really help your mindset and overall you know help in life.
0: that's funny because when I was a little kid too, I would do. I always had that drive, I guess, of, like, being an entrepreneur, doing something kind of out of the box. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember being, like, seven or eight. And, you know, when you travel, you stay in the hotel and whatnot, and usually people try to grab, like, the little shampoos and stuff. And and my mom had, like, a box I get of, like, little shampoos and conditioners. And, like, believe it or not, I grabbed a shoe box and I threw them all in there. And I went house by house. And I would tell them, have you ever run into the problem where you, like, don't have shampoo and gotta go and buy that like last minute and I started selling them for like a quarter and 50 cents and I made a touch I'm counting my money in my bed and my mom's like where did this I'm like I I (laughs) sold stuff I just sold little shampoos and conditioners and she was like I can't even believe this I literally got called into like um the dean's office when I was like first or second grade or something or the principal's office because I had those little erasers that were like a little pony or like a little, mm-hmm. ra- and in the middle of a test, I got up to sell erasers to people that didn't have them for, <laughs> for that the test. That is incredible. <laughs> so like I always had that spirit. And like, again, and the interesting part is like the schools, I was raised in Puerto Rico's, but the school that, that, that I went to, they really crushed your dreams when it came to that kind of stuff. They were more like, well, you need to be doing the test and you need to get good grades because then you're not going to get anywhere. And it's interesting, I would love when I have a kid to be able to put them in a school that respects that and maybe has like an entrepreneurship program, just like they were doing with STEM now, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to, if my kid has those dreams or that, you know, that drive, I don't want to kill it. And you can do as much as you can at home, but you also have to have a school that maybe helps them towards that, right? Right. So I'm hoping that when, when we have a kid that I can find a school where you know, they, they can have that kind of so at least given the opportunity, if, it's, if you're not into it, you're not into it. But at least you had the opportunity to to be part of it.
1: Exactly. No, you're you're exactly right. That's crazy that you're selling <laughs> erasers during test day. That's so awesome. I would
0: always find a way to make money, even if it got me in trouble. Um, so I kind of want to wrap up a little bit and and go back to um, finance and and see what three or two books or one book, something that you really read when you were building that foundation that kind of, I guess, triggered you to keep learning more? What mm-hmm. was what was that thing? Because we all, we all have it. We all have something that we read at one point in our lives or we saw that really changed us. So what was that for you for uh, creating that financial foundation?
1: It's uh, a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Oh yeah, I've um, heard of that one.
1: Okay. Yep. And that that's one of the first books I've actually picked up when I was looking to start uh, you know, learning how to handle my finances or investing or whatever that may be. And that book is not really a how to book. It's more of a mindset and how you can really what to expect with your money. And it really the biggest thing I got out of it is, you know, don't work for your money. Make your money work for you. And when I when I read that And I was just like, oh, my gosh. So that kind of just really took me off to figuring out, okay, now I need to learn how to invest. Now I need to figure out what kind of assets I want to invest in, whether that be stocks, real estate, you know, whatever that may be. So that book really kind of set the foundation for me. And then there's actually one I'm actually reading right now. I've been on the third chapter for about two months, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm trying to get through it. But it's it's really good. It's actually called uh, just because I've been so busy with everything going on but it's called financial freedom and that's by Grant Sabatier and it's a new book it actually just came out not too long ago and he really dives into the whole financial independence financial freedom retiring early aspect and there's a lot of a lot of good information in that book
0: financial freedom i was just making a note of that because i usually um, i try to have the show notes and i put them in in the website or I have a patreon page so i try to put them there for for the listeners to you know kind of um, where to find the books that we talked about or, or whatever we talked about, that's where they can find it if they if they didn't take note when they were listening to the episode. Well, thank you so much for you know your time today and for sharing your story and all the resources and tips and tricks. And um, people can find you on YouTube on, under JJ Buckner, oh, right?
1: Yep, that's it.
0: And um, yeah, and I know you're going to keep making great videos because I've, I've seen the material and I really, really love it. So keep at it.
1: I appreciate that so much. Just that every time I hear uh, you know, feedback from that people like that, it's it really helps me out and it gives me motivation to, to keep creating. So I appreciate that.
0: Well, thank you so much again for being here. Thanks for having me. And that is a wrap for today's episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed the content. I know we talked a little bit about financials and we talked a little bit about entrepreneurship, family, and so much more. So I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you are really enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review in iTunes, share the website Turning Point Podcast with a friend, even be a patron. So if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And anything that you want to do to just, you know, spread the word, social media, friends, uh, whatever it is, if you're really enjoying it, then just go ahead, tell a friend. Tell a family member, tell a co-worker, tell a stranger, someone in the supermarket, whatever it is, just go ahead and do it. Okay, so I'll see you next time for now. Peace out.